This is Abscond with Ethan Renault, episode 11. Wow, it's weird to think that I am already 11 episodes into this podcast. It has been super fun. Honestly, I really, really love making podcasts. This is just so much fun. Mainly because I love talking and nobody on earth likes to have a conversation where they only listen. Uh, So I guess podcasting is kind of an outlet for that for me where I can just talk and talk and talk about whatever I want and it works out. And you guys hopefully get to listen to some interesting topics for half an hour or so, however long it takes. Today, I'm doing part three of my story. And I hope you've been enjoying these. It's kind of fun for me to kind of think through a lot of things um, that have happened in my life. Um, Because honestly, I don't sit down and just tell my story like this for, what's it been now, like, it's been an hour probably, so an hour and a half to two hours total, just talking about my story. And I could go into a lot more detail with a lot of these things if I wanted to. But I think last time I left off when I was at Moody Bible Institute. I believe, where I went to college. I was 21 at that time, 21, so I got there in 2012, and it was a blast. Last time, I believe, I talked about like showing up at, at Moody, having some theological differences because I had just come from a super charismatic background, and Moody was both really, really good and really, really tough, not necessarily academically. I mean, it was tough, and I learned a lot. And I'll always be incredibly grateful to Moody for everything I learned there. But like I said last time, it was just a a season of humbling for three years, just kind of realizing, hey, you don't have the world figured out. You don't have yourself figured out. You don't have relationships figured out. And basically all these things were broken down over my three years there. One thing I don't think I mentioned last time is while I was there, I kind of accidentally started this prayer ministry which ministered to people going to clubs and bars at midnight and later in Chicago. It started on accident one night because my friend Carson and I were sitting on the 96th floor of the Hancock Tower and writing poems, and we were really pumped up this night and just having a really, really great time up there. And it was about midnight. We walked back to Moody, and suddenly we both just kind of said, you know, it's only midnight, and I feel like there's a lot more we could do with the night. So we went back out, found the nearest, like, block where there were a lot of people congregating because there were clubs and bars on that block. And we grabbed a pizza box out of the trash can, and I happened to have a Sharpie in my backpack, so I took it and I wrote free prayer on this pizza lid. And we just kind of stood there, and so many people came up to us that night, And we just prayed with them. People literally were just crying on the sidewalk because of our prayers for them. And uh, the next weekend, we said, hey, let's do it again. And a few people wanted to come with us. The next weekend, same thing, and more people wanted to come with us. And it just kind of grew and grew from there. So that was a really crazy time. And the, the wildest thing to me is that this ministry, which started completely by accident, is still going on to this day. Other students have taken up the mantle and 
lead it and go out still every single weekend, which to me is really crazy because it started kind of on impulse with my friend Carson and I. Um, I had a lot of really, really phenomenal roommates while I was at Moody, um, especially two guys, shout out Andrew Song and Alec Cotton. They are two of the greatest men in the world that I've ever known, and I love them a lot. I love you guys. So after I graduated Moody, I moved back home to Colorado with my parents. And if you've ever been in that situation where you have a degree in your pocket and you have some interests and things you love to do and a little bit of debt and you're, how old was I? I was 24. I moved back in with my parents at the ripe old age of 24 and that is no fun. If you've never had to do that, not because I don't like my parents. My parents are literally the best parents in the world, but mainly just because my friend Elliot put it the best. He said, it's kind of like you've reached an age where there's two alpha lions living in the same den. And when there's two alpha lions in the same pack, there can just be tension. And, you know, I am wanting to be this adult man and yet I'm living under my parents' roof. So fortunately, that didn't last too long because it was December of 2015. I went back to Chicago to visit uh, my friends who were at Moody. I had just finished paying off my student debt. Fortunately, there wasn't very much because Moody's tuition-free. So I just finished paying off the little bit I owed. And I went back to Chicago. And I happened to pick a bad week to go back because it was finals week for all my friends. So they were all busy studying for finals, which left me alone a lot of the time that I was there. And it was a Sunday night and it was rainy and it was warm. And I, all my friends were busy. They were all studying for things. And I decided, you know what? All my friends are busy. It's warm. It's rainy. I'm going to go for a run while I'm in Chicago because I love running that lakefront trail in Chicago. If you've never been there, it's it's just a beautiful, beautiful pathway, 25 miles of the coastline along the lake. So I run up Lakeshore Path, and it's so warm in December in Chicago that I run without my shirt. And I'm running along. The beach is completely empty because it's pouring rain, and I see a news crew all lit up uh, a little bit ahead of me on the path. So I run over to them. And all their backs are to me. They're in the van getting stuff ready. And I say, hey, what are you guys reporting on? What's going on? And they say, oh, we're just reporting on how warm this weather is. It's crazy because it's December and it's 65. People like you don't even have your shirt on. This is crazy. And I said, well, do you need someone to interview? And they said, oh, yeah, totally. It'd be crazy to have you, especially since you don't have a shirt on. So sure enough, they fired up the cameras. I waited about 20 minutes. I think I kept running. I ran about 10 minutes up the path and then 10 minutes back. When I got back, I literally had just come from running, and they said, all right, you ready? Come on, we're on in like one minute. So I'm still out of breath from running. I go stand next to Taman Bradley, the reporter who's in the video with me, and they roll it. And right before they start rolling, I lean over to him and I say, I'm going to say I'm single. And he laughed. He's like, oh, that's good. Like totally not thinking I would actually do it. And sure enough, I actually did it. And I said, and by the way, I'm single. So give me a shout. <laughs> and 
I'm like, I just, I'm like, all right, thanks guys. I start running back to Moody and it, in my head, I'm thinking about that and I'm just like, oh, that was, that was good. That was funny. I really hope I can find that clip and send it to my parents and my friends and be like, look guys, I was on TV. And that was what was going through my head. I really hope I can find that clip. And so I run back to the dorms probably 15 to 20 minutes later after that video was shot. I get back to the dorm, open up my laptop. I go to WGN, uh, their, their website, and I am on the front page at the very center top of their website. And I'm like, whoa, I'm on the front page of this Chicago news website. That's crazy. And so I shared that. And then I realized that the video has 24,000 views. Within 15 to 20 minutes, it had earned 24,000 views. And so my friends and I went out to sushi shortly after that, after I showered. And we're on our phones checking in on the video. And it goes 50,000, 60,000, 70,000. And it keeps going up and up and up. And so I decided to call the station again, and I said, hey, this is Ethan. I was on the, on the air earlier, uh, just calling to see how that video is doing. Or, honestly, I can't remember what I said. And they were like, oh my gosh, it's you. We were trying to figure out how to find you. We were trying to figure out how to get a hold of you. We need to have you back on. Um, we're going to have you tonight again at the 9 o'clock news and tomorrow morning at the morning show. And we're going to get you on, and we're going to connect you um, to our sister station in Denver and all this, all this, all this. And so they were just going crazy about the guy who had made their video blow up. So sure enough, I went on that night, I went on the next morning and the emails and phone calls started coming in. I got emails from Cosmo magazine, GQ, the Today Show, all the Denver TV stations. Um, I was on the front page of CNN and all this other stuff. And it was literally surreal because um, it's kind of become normative for me to think about it. But I remember going back in time and putting myself in that time period again. Nothing like that had ever happened to me. I'd never had a producer or an agent or a you know, a journalist reach out to me. And it was absolutely mind-blowing. TMZ was interviewing me. Everybody was just interviewing me and asking me questions. And, of course, the Facebook messages were coming in. The friend requests were coming in. Everything was just going wild. And looking back on that time, it's easy for me to say now, um, sincerely, that that is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Probably not the best thing that's ever happened to me, but it was both good and bad. There was a lot of good that came out of it. I got hundreds and hundreds of emails from people who had discovered my blog, and they were like, your words have been so helpful to me. They've given me hope. They've restored uh, my, my faith or, you know, all this stuff. And I was like, this is really cool that suddenly God is opening this door, giving me a platform to kind of speak from and speak into people's lives and hopefully just do it in a creative and truthful way. So that was a really cool side of things. I got speaking events and 
By the way, I love speaking. I love coming coming to places and speaking. So if you are ever in need of someone to come and speak at your school, church, event, conference, or whatever, let me know. EthanRenault.com. Anyway, um, yeah, it was a really great time. And I will tell you the most disappointing part of the whole saga. Roughly two months pass from the viral video. I'm living in L.A., I think I was at the airport flying from L.A. to Chicago or something like that for some conference or event or something I was doing. And I'm in the airport, and someone tells me for the first time ever about Facebook's filtered messages folder. And I'm like, oh, that's a thing? And they're like, yeah, if someone emails you that you have no connection to or messages you, it goes into that folder. So sure enough, I open it and discover thousands and thousands of unread messages that I didn't know were there for the past couple months. And I'm reading through them, and a lot of them are just from guys and girls messaging me about one thing or another. But then I get a message from Ellen DeGeneres, and she says, I wanted you to come on my show and interview you. And I was like, oh my gosh. And... Of course, I emailed her back right away, but it was too late by that time when I was old news, I was a has-been, and I never heard back from Ellen. So that was such a bummer, Um, and it's one of those things that I just have so much regret over, and if I could go back and tell myself in in the past, Ethan, there's a Facebook filtered messages folder, you have to find it, you have to go meet Ellen. So that's one of the biggest regrets of my life. But um, anyway, after the the viral video took off and the producers and agents were hitting me up, I moved out to Los Angeles, not knowing a single person, not knowing anything. Um, I managed to find a place to live through some friends that had connections through church. They knew some guys who all lived in a house together where they're all Christians, and it was a really great group of guys. I met a really, really good friend, my friend Johnny Youssef. He is just a phenomenal, phenomenal guy, loves the Lord, loves people, and also is so creative. He and I, or he is one of the most creative people I've ever met as far as just creating videos, blog posts, pictures, whatever it is, just kind of putting yourself out there and being creative. And so it's it's earned him a decent following, and he's um, always up to something new. Uh, He does real estate, he does creative stuff, and... He and I had so much fun in L.A. and then Kansas City together, um, just creating stuff and always just like, you know, there are some people who will kind of make you feel embarrassed if you pull your camera out to say something or shoot something or do something crazy. Uh, Johnny and I kind of had the opposite of that, where when we were around each other, it's like, what can we create now? What can we talk about in a video now? What could we make now? And it was just so much fun. And I miss you, Johnny. You are the man. And never stop creating. Um, So my time in L.A. was short-lived. I was out there two or three months before I just started to kind of realize that it wasn't a place for me. No doors were opening. The, The explosion of the viral video was kind of dying down. And I decided to move back to Chicago. So I did that. Live with some friends back from college for the summer. This is summer 2016 now. And uh, it was a good summer. I just biked everywhere, worked at a donut shop, occasionally got recognized, 
And, um, yeah, just kind of worked and enjoyed the summer in Chicago. But again, at the end of the summer, I was like, this doesn't feel like home anymore. I feel like that creepy guy who's kind of hanging around the college campus. It is time to go back to Colorado and uh, be with my good friends, be near my family, and, I don't know, be in a place that I love. And so I moved back to Colorado in the fall of 2016. And this whole time, basically ever since graduating Moody, has kind of been a, a searching for direction, for purpose, for something, something at which to aim my life, I guess. Teleological uh, purpose is what this time period was. And so I was just kind of living, writing, still hoping to pay the bills by publishing my first book, The New Lonely. It came out, I ended up self-publishing it, and obviously it didn't make me rich. It was small income, but I still had to find other work. So I found a post on a job board for a youth pastor. So I emailed the pastor, and sure enough, he replies a few days later and says, Ethan Renault, is your dad Larry Renault? And I said, yeah. And it turns out he and my dad have known each other for 20 years and they used to play softball together because they're both pastors, and they were in this church league. And so my dad obviously vouched for him, um, Pastor Ed. He's a phenomenal teacher, preacher, expositor of the word. He just loves the Lord and loves his congregation really, really well. And it's been a privilege and an honor to work under him um, as he's a senior pastor of our church. And um, I became the youth pastor at that church and it's a it's a small group not a ton of kids in it um, but it's a tight group and we all know each other really well and we love each other really well and um, it comes with its own difficulties but it also comes with its own uh, different blessings and uh, benefits where all the kids are able to know each other really well and we're able to know the kids really well me my leaders and I have a phenomenal group of leaders and I'm so grateful for them. I couldn't do any of this without them. And I know this is turning into like an award show thank you speech. But um, I'm just really, really grateful for the time I've had and continue to have at my church. So now it's been a year and two months about since I've been their youth pastor. And it has just been a wild ride. Coming from Bible college and just kind of having this idea of what ministry is like, and then actually getting to do ministry and hands-on experience, I have realized that they are two completely different things. You know, you have these dreams when you're in Bible college of revival, and every time I preach, kids will fall down and cry and, and just be moved to tears emotionally and give their hearts to the Lord, when in reality... You learn that doing ministry involves real people, and real people are tough and stubborn and messy, and it is so much better, though, because it's real, and you are actually teaching other people and pouring into lives and loving kids who might not get love from other places where they're supposed to. So it's been a phenomenal learning year uh, being a youth pastor. Um, I started off... I came in like with my guns blazing, I guess you could say, and I was trying to teach them all these fancy words like incarnation and transcendence and hypostatic union. And then I realized that 
most of these kids aren't even familiar with the basic fundamentals of the Bible or of the gospel. So I took it all the way back to the beginning and learned how to simplify things in teaching. Because it's easy for me to just get high and lofty and try to show off or um, show off how smart I am or something like that. And in reality, that doesn't really help anybody. When you're teaching over someone's head, they're not learning anything. Therefore, you're defeating your own purpose. So just a little nugget of wisdom. If any of you are trying to go into ministry or you're currently in ministry, meet your people where they're at now, not where you wish they would be um, or where you're at. Meet them where they're at. Um, I have 7th through 12th graders, and sometimes we just talk about what sin is, who Jesus is, um, why he matters, why the Bible matters. And it's so fun to kind of go back to these basics and review them for myself and kind of relearn the story of Jesus' life, his teachings, his miracles, um, the story of the Bible as a whole. We just finished a series on Moses, which was really awesome. And, of course, I learned so much going back through it again and teaching through it. It's been really great. My mind is going completely blank on everything that happened this past year. And I'll tell you the reason for that. Today is Monday, and it'll be a few weeks before you hear this, but I just got back from snow camp, a.k.a. winter retreat, depending on who you ask. And um, that's where my kids and I and my, our leaders, we went up to the mountains from Friday to Sunday and basically didn't sleep, and we're in movement and action nonstop for how many days? How many hours is three days? 72 hours? Yeah, we were in nonstop motion for 72 hours, solving fights, breaking up drama, but also just having fun. We had a three-hour wrestling session with the whole group. Everybody was wrestling everybody, and it was crazy, and then we went on hikes, and then we played dodgeball, and then we ran around the camp, and then we played a billion other games. On top of that, I taught four lessons which I had prepared on the gospel, and it was exhausting, and we barely slept, because if you've ever tried to get middle schoolers to fall asleep, you know it's like trying to hold water with one finger. But um, it was a phenomenal weekend. My brain still isn't all there yet, but if you think of it, pray for them, because we had a really, really great time of worship and prayer together. Um, Saturday night especially was really good where I got to pray with a lot of my kids. I guess I should call them students. I always refer to them as my kids, but that sounds weird to you if you don't know me. So I got to pray with a lot of my students and it was just a really great time. And as you know, if you've been through middle school and high school, it's those are volatile times and tough seasons. And a lot of them are walking through that right now. And any prayer for them would just be phenomenal and greatly appreciated. So I guess that kind of catches us up to the present day. If I think of anything else later, I'm sure you hear, you'll hear more stories in the future. But for now, I guess that's a good stopping point. This past weekend was great. And I always have many, many more thoughts to share with you. So tune in again next week to hear them. <laughs> um, I do have a lineup of a lot of great guests coming on soon. I have a fellow youth pastor here in the Denver area who is going to come on with me talking about online dating and dating apps. So you definitely won't want to miss that one. He is like me, a bachelor, 
And I would say that both of us go on a, a fair amount of dates um, in our lives. So it'll be a good conversation. I have no idea where it's going to go. We haven't recorded it yet. So come back for that one. Um, I'm trying to think of who else I have lined up to come on this podcast and talk. But uh, it'll be really great. So stay tuned. As always, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, email, Ethan at EthanRenault.com. That's the best way to get a hold of me. If you forget, just go to EthanRenault.com and click contact. Um, I also have my YouTube channel up and running. This year, in case you've missed it, I'm doing one YouTube video, one podcast, and at least one blog post a week. So it's keeping me busy. It's a lot of fun. And I'm really grateful for everyone who's following along. So keep in touch with me. Let me know what you want to hear me talk about. Spread the word. And uh, keep on listening. Thank you guys so much for your time. I don't take it for granted. And I'm grateful for you uh, listening to me talk. So I hope you've enjoyed the third part of my story, which catches you up to the the present day. And um, yeah, I look forward to talking to you guys and hearing from you soon. Thanks so much. Music for this episode provided by Anthony Pecoraro. Find him on SoundCloud. That's D3Tales. It's like details with a three instead of an E. This has been Abscond with Ethan Renault, episode 11.